Hey everybody, welcome back to the show. This is Pastor Jack C. Pigeon, West Houston Christian Center, and this is Living With Purpose. And we are continuing talking about, you know, to live a life of purpose, there's so many different factors that go into it. And one of the real big ones, one of the main ones, at least that I found out in my life, is to have a life of purpose, I have to make sure that I think on purpose. That means that I am being wise about what I allow into my thought process. And just like the body needs a good diet of food in order for it to produce at a high level, uh, my mind needs the same thing. I need to make sure that I'm putting a healthy diet because, you know, it's gigo, garbage in, garbage out. Whatever comes in is what's going to come out. I don't have any choice about that. So it's really, really important that in my thought process that I am always feeding my thoughts, feeding my mind, feeding my brain, and those are all different things, but I want to make sure that I've got a pure product coming in so that a pure product can come out. If I want to make the best decisions in my life, I have to make sure that I have the most information available in order for me to make right decisions and right choices. So many times, uh, because of our flesh, we'll make a decision and it'll be on impulse, it'll be going on someone else's information, and what I'm trying to get to and what I'm trying to be is I'm trying to think for myself on purpose, gathering as much information as I can so that when I step out and I speak something or I do something that I have available to me, you know, the greatest amount of information possible. You know, a general in a war as he is making a plan for a battle, um, he doesn't just go off how he feels. He doesn't just go off of something that may have happened on that same battlefield 400 years ago. This general, what he has to do is he has to have men, women, technology bring to him all the information that he can get. He needs to know about the weather. He needs to know about his supplies. He needs to know about troop movement on the other side. He needs to know about every individual factor that could come into play that could help tilt this battle for him or against him. And off of that plan, that general is going to make his battle plan off of that information. So it's vital for him to gather as much intel as he can possibly get so that he can put the best plan in place for victory for his side. Well, it's the same with us. If we want to live a life of purpose, if we want to live a life where we're relevant, if we want to live a life where when we get to the end of our road, just like Paul, we can say, I have finished my race. I have run my race. I finished it. I did everything that I needed to do. The only way that you can do that is you have to start on purpose and you have to finish on purpose. So we're talking today, just kind of continuing from last week on thinking soberly. And this is so important. I never really knew how big this topic was in the word. Let me give you a really brief uh, recap of what we talked about last week. And there's a lot of definitions and things like that. And I'm going to give you some more definitions today. But what we're getting this from is Romans chapter 12, verse 3. And it says, For I say through the grace given to me to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. Like I said last week, Romans chapter 12 verse, I mean, verses one and two, some of my favorite scriptures in the whole Bible. 
but verse 3 really jumped out at me when we started talking about and thinking about what does it mean to think soberly. Well, let me give you a couple of definitions again. First and foremost, for someone to think of himself more highly, it means to be overly proud, to have high thoughts, to think beyond exceeding proper or appropriate limits, to act high-minded. We're going to talk about being high-minded today or next week. Lacking humility and a true sense of reality. Um, That word soberly, and I'm going to give you a couple of other definitions moving forward, but uh, the word soberly means right-minded, sound mind, self-controlled. It means disciplined. It means able to reason. It means safety-minded, having a sober outlook that reflects true balance. And I really like this definition. To be sober-minded, it reflects what God defines as true moderation. This God-controlled perspective blends the extremes of truth on both sides of a matter. To say that I am being sober-minded means that I'm able to have a perspective about whatever it is that I'm thinking about or whatever it is that I'm looking at. When that means having perspective, that doesn't mean that I just take my own perspective. That means that I step around and I look at someone else's perspective of how they look at this. This is being sober-minded. Um, so many times, and this is something that I'm just endeavoring to do more and more, is that I can see a, a problem from my side, from my perspective. And from my perspective, it seems like, okay, well, we just need to do this, X, Y, and Z, and that'll take care of it. Well, my perspective might hurt somebody because I'm just seeing it from my perspective. I have to then turn around and go and look at it from another perspective. And when I do that, I find out, you know what, you're right. If I do this, then I am going to hurt somebody potentially by what I'm doing. I'm not meaning to. I'm not trying to. But to be sober-minded means that I need to be balanced in my thinking. doesn't mean balanced between doubt, (laughs) between unbelief and faith. That's not, that's not being balanced. Balanced is meaning, like I said before, I am gathering as much information, as much perspective as I can so that I can make the most, um, the best decision that's going to benefit the most people and not just benefit myself. That's a lot of times what our perspective has to do with is my perspective. Who's it going to help? Is it just going to help me or is it going to help everybody else around me? So if you noticed last week, uh, we talked about um, someone, the, the, the father of thinking more highly of himself. And uh, we looked at Isaiah chapter 14, verse 12. And this is the, this is the poster child for thinking more highly of yourself. And uh, matter of fact, let's, let's go to that real quick. Let's go to Isaiah and let's take a look. Let's read it for ourselves. Isaiah chapter 14. Forgive me because I was not completely prepared to go back and look at this one, but I feel like we need to because this is this is the father of thinking higher of yourself than you should. Isaiah chapter 14, and it begins in verse 12. How you are fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning. How you are cut down to the ground. You who weakened the nations, for you have said in your heart. Now, here we go. I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will also sit on the mount of the congregation on the farthest side of the north. 
I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the Most High. In verse 15, it says, Yet you should be brought down to Sheol to the lowest depths of the pit. Yes, what you're seeing there is the father of pride. Uh, That's the devil himself. The devil had an overinflated picture of himself. He thought more highly of himself than he should have. And because he thought more highly of himself, he spoke more highly of himself. I want you to notice that those words just didn't come out of his mouth. Those words came out of him thinking on this and thinking on this and thinking on this and thinking on high-minded things, not thinking soberly, not seeing it from other perspectives. And that's the problem with pride. Pride will only let you see something from your perspective. It takes true humility, and I have learned this over and over again, to change your perspective and to go around and look at it from someone else's. It really does take humility to do that because there's just this thing in us that we want to be right. And and my wife's so good about saying this. I don't want to be a right fighter. You know, I don't want to just fight for right things. Uh, I want to I want to be a truth fighter. I want to be a justice fighter. And so you can see the devil here himself was saying, I will do these things. I will do those things. And he had a, 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 a an incredibly inflated ego and an incredibly inflated pride. And uh, we all know the consequences of that. Now let's look at uh, someone else. Let's go to 2 Kings. 2 Kings chapter 5. And this is the story um, about Naaman and uh, the story of Elisha. And uh, beginning in verse uh, chapter 5, verse 1 of 2 Kings. Now Naaman, commander of the army of the king of Syria, was great was a great and honorable man in the eyes of his master, because by him the Lord had given victory to Syria. But he was also a mighty man of valor, valor but a leper. And uh, as we know, the Syrians um, had gone out and captured Israel uh, people from Israel from raids. And so Naaman had a maid, and she was from Israel. And Naaman must have treated her really good because she wanted to help this man. This was a good man. This was a guy that was servant-hearted. He was on the wrong side, <clears throat> but he had a good heart. And so what he did, or what she did, is she told him about the prophets in Israel. She told him, if you could just get my get Naaman to this place in Israel, he can be healed. Well, Naaman heeded that. He goes. Um, we all know the story. He pulls up in front of Elisha's house, and there's a lot more that takes place before that, but to save time, I'm paraphrasing. And he shows up in front of Elisha's house, and Elisha doesn't even bother going to the door to knock. He sends out a servant, and he tells Naaman, go dunk yourself seven times in the Jordan River, and you'll be made whole. Well, this infuriated Naaman. Naaman was like, don't you know who I am? Um, uh, don't you see how far I've come? You know, um, I, am, I am bigger than that. I am better than that. You know, whenever, we, we always have a better plan than God does of how he should heal us or how he should prosper us. And Naaman wanted the, one of the most glorious way to be healed. He wanted it to be done something publicly, like the waving of the hand or something that could have given him honor in the midst of it. And in humility, he had to be brought low. And so, um, funny things, quick side note. You know, as you read in, in the first part of Second uh, uh, Kings chapter 5, you know, Naaman was a servant. He served his master. 
Well, now all of a sudden he got put into a situation where instead of just saying he was a servant, he was getting treated like a servant. And there's a really, really big difference between saying I'm a servant and being treated like you're a servant. And you can tell that he was getting offended. And when the prophet didn't come out himself and he told him what to do and he didn't want to do it and he had a better way than God, but yet even in the midst of it, there was another servant that was there that said, hey, we're already here. If this guy had come out and told you to do X, Y, Z, you would have done it. Let's just go ahead and do what he says. And sure enough, as sure as Naaman just goes, he bows himself, he prostrates himself. He had to go low, you know, and he had to go low seven times before that pride was broken and he could come up out of that water healed and whole. And so he thought so highly of himself that he almost missed out on his healing. Sometimes we can be so high-minded not thinking soberly, only seeing something from our perspective that we can miss the move of God in our life. And so it's very, very important that we be sober-minded. Now, we can take it to the opposite. We all know the story of Gideon. And if you look at Judges uh, chapter 6, verse 11, you know, here's a child of Israel. And, uh, you know, whenever Israel did not follow God's commands whenever Israel did what they wanted to do when they went other false when they went after false gods when they did all these things that God specifically and expressly told them not to do unfortunately uh, there were consequences and usually the consequences uh, meant that another nation bigger and stronger would come in would take Israel into captivity, would take all of their um, goods. They would, you know, it was basically the curse. Whatever they grew, they would lose their sons and daughters, everything. And so here you go. You've got um, Gideon. God is ready to deliver Israel, and you've got Gideon. And so in Judges chapter 6, verse 11, an angel appears to Gideon, and he says, Now the angel of the Lord came and sat under the Terebinneath tree, which was in Oprah, which belonged to Josh and uh, an Abiziite, while his son Gideon threshed wheat in the winepress in order to hide it from the Midianites. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said to him, The Lord is with you, mighty man of valor. And here's the kicker, verse 13. Gideon said to him, O oh my Lord, if the Lord is with us, why then has all this happened to us? And where are all his miracles, which our fathers told us about, saying, Did not the Lord bring us out from Egypt? But now the Lord has forsaken us and delivered us into the hands of the Midianites. Now, basically, this angel is telling Gideon, Look, you are now going to be the deliverer. But Gideon thinks so lowly of himself. You see, sober-minded doesn't mean just we have a problem thinking more highly. Being sober-minded also means that we don't think of ourselves too lowly. Both of these things are rooted in pride. If we think too highly of ourselves, if we don't think enough. Uh, and so Gideon was stuck in this second category. He just didn't think that he could do what God had called him to do. And uh, I like this in verse, let's see, uh, beginning in verse... Um, 15, he says, Oh, my Lord, how can I save Israel? Indeed, my clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my father's house. And I like verse 16. And the Lord said to him, Surely I will be with you, and you shall defeat the Midianites as one man. And so now all of a sudden, he had to bring up his way of thinking to a higher level back to that covenant thought. Wow, the show is already over. We've gone through a lot today. 
Man, I hope this has been a blessing to you. Look at us on Facebook. Come meet us for church on a Sunday morning at 1030. Michelle and I, we would love to meet you. We're a great church here in Houston, Texas. Jesus is Lord, and he's coming back soon. Hello, everyone. I am Pastor Mike, and I'm here with our senior pastor, Pastor Jack C., and uh, we just like to thank you. Thank you for joining us. Amen. Uh, we're going to try to answer some of the questions that's been submitted, and uh, we'll jump right into it. Are you ready? Amen. All right. Question one. Pastor, how do we go from fighting to be right to fighting to learn the truth? That's a great question. And uh, <laughs> a lot of times uh, we find, especially even in marriage, <laughs> that I, it's good to be right. You know, we <laughs> want to be right. And what I think what the Word is trying to teach us through that is that when I am trying to be right, that means I'm just taking my own opinion, what I think about a subject, I'm looking at something from my perspective only, and I'm basically just giving you my opinion in hopes of somehow it'll be right. Now, the Bible is really clear, and it says in Timothy that it's God's will that all men be saved and come mm. to the knowledge of the truth. There's a really big difference between being right and being in the truth. When we're in the truth, see, the truth can bring healing. The truth Amen. is just like a medicine. Truth can, when you, when you bring somebody the truth, uh, it's like giving them, prescribing them something that's going to heal their body or sewing them up. Okay. And uh, me being right, um, let's just say that it never draws unity. It never brings us together. It doesn't draw me closer to God. Me being right um, leaves me sometimes just stuck in my own unbelief or stuck in my own lack of knowledge or lack of revelation. Gotcha. When I am seeking after the truth, man, this is when the lights come on. This is when I see things in the word. This is when there's a transfer mm. of ownership. And so I always want to seek the truth. Now, a lot of folks, you know, when your when you're ideology and the truth collide, you have to make a decision. Mm -hmm. Are you going to continue? See, when Jesus was raised from the dead and the temple was rent from top to bottom, the next day, some of those Pharisees were right back in that temple trying to sew that mm -hmm. curtain back up. Mm -hmm. The mm -hmm. truth had come, but they wanted to be right. And so they missed their opportunity mm. to wow. know the Father. Yeah, it sounds a little bit like being right is almost just promoting yourself. Yeah, it's pride-based. Pride, yeah. Absolutely. Selfishness. Yeah. Okay. Well, good answer. All right. Second question, Pastor, what does it mean to think high-minded? That's a great question, and uh, I have it on my phone. I want to look at Romans chapter 12, verse 3, and this is where we're getting this from. I'm going to read it out of um, the New King James, and that's Romans chapter 12, verse 3. It says, For I say through the grace given to me to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. And so to me, when I am high-minded, it goes right back to that last question we just answered. I think it's just being puffed up with pride. Mm. A lot of times when we come to things in the Word of God, um, we might have had, we don't have revelation of something, so we will then, instead of taking what the Word says, we think, well, Lord, I have a, I have a higher-minded way of doing something than you do. Mm. You know, a lot of people, when it comes to giving or tithing, they love everything about the word. But when you start talking about money, because you're hitting a root or a core in that person and they don't have a revelation of what the tithe can do or what seed time and harvest can do, 
all of a sudden they'll have, well, I, I have a higher, well, tithing passed away. Mm. You know, I have a higher mind. I heard, you know, that that passed away, that that was under the law. Mm. And all of a sudden we become authorities over these things. But it's really just showing that I have a lack of revelation in an area. Um, there's multiple ways, you know. Uh, I used the example on the program about um, biblical correction for our children. The Bible is really clear about biblical correction. But psychologists and they came along with books and they said, we have a higher way. Well, I think you could see after years and years and years mm-hmm. of moving away from what the Bible said about correcting our children that we have deprived generations of the joy of really being free for what that will do for you. Yes, exactly. Uh, bottom line is just better to know the truth. Amen. Thank you, guys. Hey, I hope this was a blessing to you, and I hope you got some out of it. And if you'd like to submit a question, feel free to uh, submit it in the comment section below or go to our website at westhoustonchristian.com and you can always submit it there. We'd love to hear from you and we'd love to answer your questions. Amen.